There is this present evil age, and the Lord Jesus Christ has come to save us. Yes, out of it, one day we will be in heaven, but he's come to save us now that we don't have to suffer in our own sinfulness, but we can find forgiveness. It's not that you're never going to have another bad thought in your life, but the Lord has come to save us from this present evil age that he might deliver us. It's according to the will of God, the Father. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. As we continue in our study in Galatians chapter 1, I'm excited about looking into the epistle of Galatians because it's Paul pouring out his heart to several churches that he had he had helped found. He goes on in verse 3 and he says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe this is part of the apostolistic ministry that he had. Realize, he said grace and peace. Now when I sign most of my writing, I sign blessings, Pastor John. It depends on who I'm signing to. If it's my sister's they don't get a Pastor John. They get their brother John or Johnny or whatever. But, you know, I just, blessings. God bless you. Something like that. But realize how Paul worded this here. He said the grace and the peace is from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. To me, it is the Apostle Paul getting dictation from the Holy Spirit saying, Paul, I want you to bless my body and tell him that, I'm sending them grace, and I'm sending them peace. I'm blessing them. It's God who's blessing here. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is giving forth the blessing. Now, in every one of Paul's epistles, there's 13 that he has signed by name that we know they're Paul's. And every one of them, he always says grace and peace. It's, it's there in all 13 to where it's been nicknamed the Siamese twins of the Bible, that you will always find grace and peace together. But you cannot find the peace of God unless you first discover the grace of God in your life. It is grace first and then peace. The only change in his formula of of salutation, this introduction, is when he writes Pastor Timothy in 1st and 2nd Timothy, or writes Pastor Titus in the epistle of Titus. There he inserts the word mercy. He says, grace to you, mercy and peace. 
Now, I don't know if Paul was just telling us pastors that you guys need a little extra dose of mercy every once in a while, but there is the change in the formula there, grace and peace. That Greek word is charis that's found there, and it means to have properly, it means joy, pleasure, and delight, a sweetness, a charm, a lovingness that is in our life. It's really the sense of bestowing goodwill upon someone else. The word that is translated as peace is found in every New Testament book except for First John. It's always there. The sense of peace, this quietness, this rest. I don't know about you, but there is a lot of uh, noise in this world. We create a lot of the noise ourselves, and, and we like having noise. But I like quietness. I like rest. I like peace. I like the fact that the Lord enables me to go to bed in peace, in rest, in sleep. It's grace and peace that has been bestowed upon us from God the Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, there's this process of how we have peace with God, how we find this grace in God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, the just, remember, shall live by faith. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. We stand in grace. What the Judaizers were saying to the church in the region of Galatia They were saying that you stand in the law. Yes, there's salvation in Jesus Christ, but you need to stand in the law. You need to do these things that we can't do. And that's basically the truth. They couldn't keep it. And that was the whole thing in Acts chapter 15 when they were debating this issue of the law. Peter said, we're we're trying to put a yoke of bondage upon these people that we and our forefathers could not even keep. We can't do them. Why should we try to put this yoke upon someone else? It's salvation through grace, through faith alone. And from that comes the grace and the peace from our Lord. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe, is revealed just here in verse 4. It's just a, a small little verse But it is the revelation of the gospel. When it refers in verse 3, it continues on into the next verse. It says, Our Lord Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he gave. He gave himself. Now, we know the most famous verse in Scripture Probably is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But in the writings of Paul, Paul tells us six times that Jesus gave himself. Here in this verse 4 that we have just read, who gave himself for our sins. Jesus Christ gave himself, and if I could summarize all six verses He gave himself for our sins as an offering and a sacrifice to God because he loves us, because he paid our ransom to redeem us to himself, to purify to himself his own special people 
for good works. There's a purpose for this great gift. And this purpose is to do good works in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Christ Jesus, who gave himself part of the gospel. Christ Jesus died upon the cross. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. He gave himself that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Do you realize what Paul is saying here? In a sense, we think Jesus gave himself that we can go to heaven. Jesus gave himself that we don't have to go to hell. But here Paul tells us that he gave himself that he could deliver us from this present evil age. Now, does anybody in here think that there's not evil on the earth anywhere? You guys are, you realize that there are some pretty evil things that go on. You know, it just overwhelms me that we could be walking out on a street one day and someone in Chicago, kids playing and being shot and killed just because, why? This present evil age. Now, there's several reasons scripturally as I was thinking through some of this. There's reasons for the evil that's on this earth and And, you know, to me, it goes back to the fall of Satan, the fall of the angels that did not keep their proper place. In Jude 6, it tells us that the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their abode, they were created to serve the Lord. And as we know, Satan tried to become the Most High. He tried to become God, and he was cast out. And the book of Revelation tells us, When the great dragon, Satan, was cast out, he drew a third of the stars with him. And so these fallen angels, these demonic beings that's on this earth, there's evil in this world. But it's not always, we don't always have to blame Satan for everything. Because there's sin in and of ourselves. At the fall, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Again, Satan was there. He was beguiling and tempting Eve But it was Eve who took and ate of the fruit. It was Adam who received the fruit from his wife, and he ate it too. They had a choice. They could have said no, but they said yes. Why? Because they were taught by Satan a couple of things. One, that they wouldn't surely die. But number two, that they would be like God. And they ate of the fruit, and sin entered into the race of mankind. He says this in regards to the evil that was on the earth. In Genesis 6, 5, he says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent and thought of his heart was only evil continually. I don't know about you, but I hate some of the things that my mind thinks up at times. And I'm, I'm thinking, where does that come from? Well, the intent of the heart is only evil continually. And And we could think, well, God destroyed that. He saved Noah and his family and brought them through. But when he brought them through the flood, everybody destroyed except for eight. In Genesis 8.21, Noah's offering a sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord smells the soothing aroma. And he says in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. See, the condition of man's heart didn't change. We live in a perverse world. There is this present evil age, and the Lord Jesus Christ has come to save us 
Yes, out of it, one day we will be in heaven, but he's come to save us now that we don't have to suffer in our own sinfulness, but we can find forgiveness. The Lord can work in our own heart and he can heal the touch of evil that's in our own lives. It's not that you're never going to have another bad thought in your life, but the Lord has come to save us from this present evil age that he might deliver us. It's according to the will of God, the Father. Now in verse 6, he begins to deal with that issue of the Judaizers, and he says to this young church, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He begins by speaking about the grace of Christ, that it is the kindness which God has bestowed upon us through faith in Jesus Christ, the grace of Christ. This grace that has been bestowed, we're undeserving. We're the part of that present evil age. We are undeserving, but God has bestowed his kindness upon us through faith in Jesus Christ. But they were turning away, and I I find it incredible that through the years of doing ministry, I've found many people pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, but then not to go on to walk in faith, not to walk in a life of faith. And in that sense, they are turning away from the grace that God has bestowed upon them, him or her. And when we do this, quite often we're turning to a different gospel. What she goes on in verse 7, which says, Is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So they're wanting to take away from faith in Christ alone. and, And that adding to, for the Judaizers, it was the issue of circumcision and keeping the law. You needed to accept Christ. Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, but you also have to be circumcised. You have to keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, The law for them, they had drawn that out to 613 do's and don'ts. How would you like that as your welcome packet? (laughs) Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Here's the law. As soon as you guys can keep all these 613 do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts, then you can really be saved. It was a different gospel. There's a a twist on a couple of different uh, Greek words used in verse 6 and 7. Um, the word for different is heteros. It means another of a different kind. Uh, the word for another in verse 7 is a loss. It means another of the same kind. So in verse 6, it could have been who called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel. It could be translated another. Heteros, it can be translated as another. But it means another of a different kind. And a loss means another of the same kind. So he says it's not another. It's not the same thing. It's not Jesus Christ plus. Now, to me, one of the simplest ways, and Lily and I have been, it seems like, eating out for the last couple of weeks because we've been on vacation. But So we were at a, a nicer restaurant. We were in Albuquerque, went to this real great steak. It was one of the second best steaks I've had this year. Um, and, uh, you know, they had the big book of wine lists. Now, I just set that down because I'm not having wine. And that, that particular day, I had iced tea. Now, it could be an issue with iced tea with me because a lot of these restaurants have so many different kinds of iced tea now. Would you like a black mango-flavored uh, sweet pineapple iced tea or just a regular iced tea? I, to me, I just want an iced tea. I just asked for iced tea. You don't have to put all the sugars and sweeteners and flavors. Now, Lily likes all those kinds of iced teas, but they're still iced tea. 
They're another of the same kind. They're still iced tea, a little tweaked to have a little different flavor, still iced tea. But if I would go to a restaurant and say, I'd like to have an iced tea, and they would say, would you like a soda instead? It's like, no, because that's another of a different kind. I asked for an iced tea. A soda is not an iced tea. Would you like a beer? Nope. Once again, that's a drink of a different kind. A beer is not an iced tea. How about some coffee? No, that's still, that's different. Iced tea, another of the same kind, variety of different iced teas, they're all a loss. But if you change and put in a beer or a wine or a soda or a coffee, that's heteros, another of a different kind. And he says here, you're turning to a different gospel, another gospel, but it's not the same. It's not a loss, it's heteros, it's another of the different kind. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They're twisting the gospel of Jesus Christ to this young church. And that word for pervert means to change, to turn into something else. And it's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 20 when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and said, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. There is this transformation, this change. And he says they're wanting to pervert, to change the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is simple. It refers to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And salvation comes through faith in the work of Christ and Christ alone. And it's not by adding to it. When they begin to add to it, Paul says they're perverting it. They're changing it to another gospel. And he goes on to stress this. And in verse 8, he says, But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Anathema is the Greek word for that. It means to be set aside, well, in a sense, for judgment. The, the lamb that they would bring to the altar in the Old Testament, that lamb was anathema. It was set aside for death, not for life. But for death, it was set aside to God, but it was for death. And so it has this sense, anathema, this eternal judgment that would come upon them. He said, if we come back and we preach something else, you know, come back five years later and say, you know what? I almost had it right, but I've learned a few things in the last five years. He said, don't believe it. And yet there are a lot of pastors. I have a friend that I went to school with. They are adding to and saying that Jesus Christ plus they're, they're putting the plus on it. If we were an angel from heaven, I can't th- help but think of the Mormons when I read that because they say an angel from heaven came down and brought a new gospel. But here, I don't know what they do with this. He wasn't talking about Moroni, I think. I was with some Mormons once and I kept saying the name wrong and they finally corrected me. But I don't know. You know, there's only three angels that are listed in Scripture, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, Satan. And not that he's an angel any longer, but those are the three names that we have. And Christ Jesus is called the angel of the Lord in several places. But other than that, we have no other names that is given to us in these 66 books. If we'd only know our Bible, those who are sucked into the cult of Mormonism, those who are sucked into the cult of Jehovah's Witness, Many of our churches today who are teaching other gospels, a social gospel, 
Churches today, they're saying that, you know what, all religions, it's really one God. That's another gospel. That's heteros. It's another of a different kind. It's not the same. I was thinking of Bono because a few years ago at one of his concerts, they had, and I've seen these bumper stickers everywhere now, where they have the five different symbols. And the first is Islamic, then uh, Jewish, then the cross, and I think it's Hindi and um, Buddha. But he had his audience chanting these five things, saying they're all one, they're all one. That's another gospel. That's not true. That's perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we, or a rock star, or any cult, preach anything other then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as I said before, he repeats it here in verse 9. And now I say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be anathema. They're set aside, dedicated to God for destruction. That could be the best way I could describe that word anathema. For eternal destruction. In verse 10, we close out with this thought. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I still please men, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, these are two rhetorical questions. The answer is, I am seeking to please God, not man. But he said, do I try to persuade men to find God's blessing or God's? So men's blessing or God's blessing? The persuasion is that sense. Who am I trying to please? Is it man or is it God? If you live your life trying to be a man-pleaser, you're never going to find success in that. Paul, as a believer in Jesus Christ, said, I want to please God, not man. As a Pharisee in the Jewish religion, he was seeking to be a man-pleaser. He said, man, I, I was more zealous than them all. And he lists out and in other parts of the epistles, some of the things that he had done in his zealous faith for God, but he did not know Jesus Christ at that time. He was so zealous that he was putting Christians to death. That's how zealous Paul was. That's when he was pleasing men. He was killing others. When we seek to please God, we become not just God pleasers, but as it says here, servants of Jesus Christ. He said, if I sought to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ, but I seek to please God, and so therefore I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to close by asking you, who are you serving? Are you serving self? Are you serving others? It's not that we're not to serve others, but you serve others through Christ Jesus and the work that he's done. In the sense, we can serve others to be other pleasers, man pleasers? Or do we serve others because we're seeking to please God? We're seeking to have God's blessing on our life because of the great grace that he has bestowed upon us because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who bore our sins, gave himself upon the cross for our sins, that he would deliver us from this present evil world and then also give us a place in heaven so there's two, two deliverances that he has made available for those who call upon his name. One is the deliverance. I mean, what do you mean, John? Deliver us from this present evil world. I'm still here, aren't I? 
Yeah, but you're not caught in the bondage of sin, for Christ has freed you for those who have put his faith in him. But also the bonus, we get to be with the Lord forever. We are not anathema. We're not destined to be separated from God. Let him be accursed, anathema. We are the blessed of the Lord, those who put our faith in him. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these things that you have revealed to us here in Galatians chapter 1. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless this study, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us to understand the position that we have in you as believers. Lord, that you would help us to understand the freedom that we have in you. And then this freedom, Lord, that you would help us to serve one another in love. Lord, if we can come through this passage of Galatians from chapter 1 to chapter 6, and come through this as a church, and come through serving you by serving others. Lord, our church will be blessed greatly. So I pray, Lord, for the freedom that you have bestowed. I pray, Lord, that each of us know and have come to accept this freedom through our faith in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.